Oh, he's so good, so good, so good. He's yeah. Uh, some years ago, the Lord spoke to Mark. He said, "I'm helping you more than you know." How many believe that's the truth? He's he's helping you more than you know, more than you realize. His grace is just is always there. It's to such a degree you can get used to it and take it for granted, but that'd be a foolish thing to do. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for helping me every day, every night, every way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, you can be seated. Uh, uh, like your pastor said, our, our churches, Faith Life churches, are joining us tonight online live. Hallelujah. And um, that means the guys in Branson had to come early to church. <laughs> but same time zone for Florida. But um, I'm so glad to be with you, Faith Life folks. Uh, this, is, uh, this is great. Uh, one thing, normally I'd wait on this announcement till we got back home, but... This Sunday is a different Sunday for us, and we'll have a lot of guests we're expecting, and so I may not talk about it, but since it was on the news tonight locally, I think I'll, I better say something about it. Um, just about a little over a month ago, a, um, a ministry south of us in Florida there, about an hour, called Agape Ministries, uh, they've been a ministry serving missionaries in the Caribbean for over 40 years. And uh, they had uh, two aircraft, and they fly missionaries and supplies. Uh, I mean things like diapers and food, medicine, and, and they've been doing a lot of stuff in Haiti, especially after the earthquake, uh, all that stuff. And, and then, in fact, I think they said they support some 300 missionaries down there with both travel and supplies. Well, about a month ago, they flew one of their aircraft to Haiti there. And while they were in town there working on a roof, I think on a church building and some things, a mob gathered around, a lot of lawlessness there in recent past, a mob gathered around their plane and destroyed it. I mean, they just crushed it and burned it to the ground and... They didn't even really know whose airplane it was. They thought it was some uh, politician's plane. And it was the missionaries coming to help them. And so anyway, they the folks got home another way. But now this is what they counted on and what all those missionaries counted on. And so we saw it and the Lord put it on our heart. And I'm saying this mostly for the benefit of our, our own people here. And so you know that three weeks ago we started a project to help them. On their next aircraft, we contacted them, and their airplane was a small little airplane. Insurance would pay about three hundred thousand on it, which wasn't much. And so they could—they found one that was a better replacement, that was more of a cargo plane and twin engine, for about nine hundred thousand. They thought, and I knew that was a little bit on the low side, but that's. They had 300, so they needed 600 to, to finish that up. And so we told them they could count on us for the rest. And so uh, three weeks ago, we started on that project. And as of last week, we had uh, 750,000 or so 
come in. And so we just rounded it up to a smooth million and they got the checks already. They got them. And so uh, somebody say praise God. Plus, plus they got their 300 for the insurance. Plus the people, other people that heard about it brought in another several hundred thousand. So they in the best best shape that they've been in. And something that, uh, you know, we talked about every seed produces after its own kind. Yes. And, and now we're not about to receive an offering. It's already done. It's already done. It's already done. And I'm, I'm letting our people know. And, and uh, you can shout with us. But, uh, uh, you know, every seed produces after its own kind. So that's getting vehicles that the people need, equipment that the people need. But uh, the brother that flies with him, Mike Canada, he said the other day, he said we, because somebody was asking him about it, because they said, well, I don't know if I need a vehicle. Well, it was recovery of loss for them. Come on, you can you see that? They lost something that was vital to them that really hurt them. But now they got way more than what they lost. Isn't that God? And everybody that sowed into that Faith Life Church, I'm talking to you and our part, everybody that sowed into that, you claim more than enough recovery of loss. If you've lost something, you'll recover all and then some. How did somebody say more than enough? More, more than enough. More than enough. So I, I knew we might get caught up Sunday and not get to it. I wanted you to know and I didn't want you to see it on the news and go, I wonder why pastor didn't tell me about that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He is the faithful God. Faithful God. And the, th- the thing to do, though, it, you know, in this world, there's evil. And uh, if you, you go through this life, you're going to uh, encounter some challenges. And just like with them, you know, that, that hurt their hearts. When that mob gathered around and destroyed their stuff, when all they're trying to do is help them. But you can't let that get to you. Because that, that's the moment whether you either get robbed or you get a miracle. It depends on, on your reaction to it. If you, if you take the hurt and you see yourself as being wronged and a victim and you get mad and you get bitter, you, your loss will not be recovered. You will live in loss. But if you will forgive, and you know, the, the, one of the, their main guys that were down there, the folks gathered around, and when he told them, the folks that he was helping, what happened, oh man, they bit their heads. They were so upset that their own people had done that. And he said, he said, but wait, but wait. He said, that does not change the way we love you at all. Hallelujah. And here we see in a month's time what God did for them. All of us have had some things happen that wasn't good. 
And you can't control everything that everybody does around you. But you can control whether it gets in you. And you can control your response and your reaction to it. And if we'll respond in faith and love, it'll never fail. God will take care of us no matter what happens. And we'll wind up in, wind up in better shape. Better shape. What the enemy meant for evil, God will turn it around for good. Now more people know about them than before. Right? They got new partners, new help, people praying for them. And now the missionaries will be riding in style. Is that right? They'll be, they have something nice. Praise God. Oh, isn't it wonderful to be a part of what God's doing in the earth? To have a part. And man, when, when we pull our resources together, we can do bigger things. Hallelujah. Well, you're ready for some more word tonight. I, I, I didn't feel like we did, didn't get done last night, didn't get finished. So if you weren't with us last night, man, you missed a good one. I know I preached it, but it was good. I, you, you, you missed, you missed some good things. Maybe you can, can go back and get it. But let's believe tonight for utterance and anointing. Father, all of us together, everybody here, everybody in our churches there, everybody joining online all over, we we ask you for utterance. We ask you for grace. We ask you for the anointing. We ask you for answers and direction. You know exactly what we need right now. And that's what we ask for. Fresh manna from heaven. Building up our spirit. And our faith. And giving us, uh, enabling us to come up to the next place. The yes. next level in you. Yes. We ask it in Jesus name. Yes, we do, Amen. 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 Thank you Lord. Thank you. Go please to scripture we looked at last uh, night. In First uh, Peter. The um, fifth chapter. First Peter 5. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You believe in with me? Yes, sir. Makes a difference. Yes, sir. First uh, Peter five. This whole chapter deals with uh, what we were talking about. He talked about being an elder in the church, and he talked about that the elders should take the oversight willingly, not. Uh, not as being lords over God's people, God's heritage, but being an example to the flock. How many know we're not supposed to just tell people what to do? We're supposed to show them. Hmm? By example. By example. And um, that's especially true uh, for leaders. It's true for parents. Amen. You know, do what I say, not what I do, doesn't work. Uh, uh, Somebody will do it as long as they have to under you, but when they get away from you, they'll do what you did, not what you said. Because spirits are involved. And whatever you hang around spiritually tends to influence you more. And so uh, you want to be a doer, not just a talker. And that's what he said about the elders there. But then he, in talking about them 
practicing submission to God and then everybody being subject one to another. Verse 5, if you put that up again for us. Verse 5, he talks about you younger, submit yourself to the elder. All of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Say that out loud. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. He went on to say verse 6. Well, and of course this makes perfect sense. In that case, then what? So you want grace? Humble yourself. Because that's who gets the grace under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. Now this same word word exalt can be translated lift up or lifted up. And it's also the idea of promotion. To be raised up, lifted up, exalted, promoted. It's the opposite of going down. (laughs) Huh? Coming up, moving up, coming up, going up. And he said that happens after you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. You know, too many times people are working on God's end. (laughs) Well, what do you mean by that? Uh, Well... Well, Lord, you know, when are you going to give to me? Uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. When's it going to come? When's it going to come? That verse didn't start with him giving to you. It started with give. And it'll be given. Right? <laughs> What's your part? Come on, help me out. What's your part? Your part's not God giving to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. That's his part. He knows how to do his part. That's not his part. What's what's your part and my part? Give. Give. And you know, uh, the Bible talks about cast all your care over on the Lord. And be careful for nothing. And in everything, prayer with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, it passes understanding, will keep your heart and mind. That's his part. That happens after. After you cast your cares over on the Lord. Come on, can you see that? And made your request known to Him. And just ended with thanksgiving. There's a Godward part. There's a manward part. You can't do God's part. He won't do your part. I said He won't do your part. So your and my part is not exalting us. Promoting us, raising us up, lifting us. That's not our part. That's too quiet. (laughs) I said, that's not our part. What's our part? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That is, that, there's so much there in every word, like in all the scripture. But humility is not Refusing the praise and credit you think you deserve. Are you thinking with me? Are you there? Huh? 
you know, somebody brag on you and give you the credit for things and you go, well, you know, I did do that and I did do a fine job, but I'm going to be humble and I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to, oh, no, no, it wasn't me. It wasn't me, you know. Uh, none of me and, and all of him. And a lot of times, that's just not any humility at all there. Wow. It's empty rhetoric and talk. No, the Bible didn't say that you couldn't think highly of yourself. Really? Yeah, Romans 12. Didn't say you couldn't think highly of yourself. It said, don't think more highly. Than you are. What does that mean? Uh, believing true things about yourself is not what lifts you up. It's believing lies. <laughs> believing lies. Believing you did something that you didn't do. I know uh, one of the first, uh, Phyllis, my wife and I, when we first uh, went to Raymond, uh, we needed a, a vehicle couple of years in we really needed another vehicle we didn't have the money or the faith to get a new one but we're coming up every step of the way and so we we the lord helped us to get uh now this was i guess this was back in this would have been in the 80s somewhere but it was a uh toronado oldsmobile toronado now now back then oldsmobile was a oldsmobile i mean had the big long hood on it you know and this one was silver and black, and it had the wire wheels. It looked good. It was used, but it was a nice car. So anyway, I, I came in there the next, got that over the weekend and came to healing school Monday, and the folks had helped me. They came out when they saw it, and they said, oh, this your car? I said, yeah, yeah, uh, you, oh, this is your car now? Oh, man, they, they, they were excited about it. And somebody said, how'd you get this car? I said, man, we believed for it. And they said, praise God. And, and something, though, bothered me a little bit about that. And I, I, But I didn't know what it was. And so later on, in the middle of the day, we had a prayer time. And so I'm praying and got my mind quiet for a bit. And that came back to me. And so I thought, well, Lord, did, uh, did I say something wrong about that? And just like that, I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but the Spirit of God began communing with me like you'll do with any Christian if you'll learn how to listen. I'm not talking about audible voice, but he, he does speak on the inside. And what, what he's saying comes directly from inside to your mind. And you know it. Uh, you know, if, if another person was living inside you, you wouldn't have to verbalize to communicate. That's true. <laughs> right? You could pick up on their thoughts. And they could pick up on yours. And somebody else lives inside you. The Holy Spirit. And so that's what was happening. And so he took me through this scenario. He, he reminded that I, uh, I said, uh, we believed for it. And he said, um, uh, where did you get the faith to believe for it? I said, well, Lord, it's, it's your faith. It's a, it's a measure of your faith. And he said, how'd you get it? I said, well, from hearing your word. And he said, and, uh, and did you get it the first time? I said, well, no. You know? And then he said, uh, he went on to say, and, and um, 
When you believed, you received. He said, were you tempted to give up and quit several times? And I said, yeah. He said, I, he said, I had people preach on things that encouraged you and stirred you up. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, you did. You did. He said, and then, you know, who, who brought the money in and, and who, who caused it to work out for you? I said, well, you did. You did. He said, well, my faith, my word, my sustaining, my power. And you didn't even mention me. You just said, we believed it in. (laughs) See, sometimes it's not just the exact phrase you use. It's your thinking. It's your emphasis. It's your focus. And so... Uh, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, it, that is an air of a level of pride. And I wasn't even aware of it. I'm taking credit. I'm giving Phyllis and me the credit for all of it. We believe, we believed it in. <laughs> Did you know that Jesus never took credit personally for one healing? In his earthly ministry, or one deliverance, or one miracle, or even the revelation of one message, not one time. And I said, what do you mean? When the, when the leaders uh, of the, the Jews came, the religious people, and came and they said, this is over in John 7, they said, uh, how does this man know letters? Never having learned. In other words, he didn't have the degrees like we do. How does he talk like this? Where does he get these things? And you know what he, what he didn't say? You gotta burn the midnight oil. (laughs) While other folks was playing, I was praying. (laughs) See, people think that's spiritual. That is ugly pride. That you're taking credit for something that you didn't do. What do you mean? You know what he said? He said, my doctrine is not my own. Come on, did you hear that? My doctrine is not my own. What's he saying? I didn't come up with it. He said, uh, uh, the the things I do, I don't do of myself. I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see him do. I didn't come to do my own will. I do the, I always do the things that please him. That's not a phony humility. That's not trying to be humble. That's real humility because it's real honesty. It's, it's just the truth. If it was good, God gave it to you. Amen. Then he should get the glory. Is that right? Now, if you had a part to play in it, praise God, you'll be rewarded. But don't take the credit for what he did. Ever. Come on, are y'all with me? And, and another thing that goes with this, if you do, you just limited yourself from getting more. Because you're showing him he can't give you more. You're already taking credit for what he's done now. He can't add to you. No. You want to acknowledge the truth. Right? And, and here's, the, here's the next thing the Lord told me about that. He said, and, and I don't mean I'm hearing a voice, but over that Oldsmobile. You can learn a lot about an Oldsmobile. 
He said, the Lord spoke to my, he said, and besides that, he said, when, when your people that helped you, when they left, they left impressed with your faith. Wow. And that won't get them any closer to their car. Because the enemy will say, yeah, tell them, well, yeah, but you know, Brother Keith has faith like that, but, but you don't, and this and that. He said, and that's a lie. He said, I'll do the same thing for them. I'll do greater things for them. Come on, can you, can you see that? And of course, we, we, we should know that and know that's true. But he said, if you had talked more about me in the right way, they'd leave impressed with me. Instead of leaving impressed with your faith. And that would help them. That, that, then the Spirit of God could use that to say, hey, he'll do the same thing for you. He'll do the same thing for you. He'll do greater things for you. It matters how we testify. Does it or not? It matters how we say things, the words we use, the emphasis we use. Number one, you must be completely truthful. Do not exaggerate. Be be honest. Now, would you have to tell church-going people to, to be honest? Yes. You know, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, wrote to the church of Ephesus and said, quit lying. (laughs) Lie not one to another. And and the construction is, you're doing it, so quit. Why? Pride. Pride seeks to impress. And that's the enemy. And the reason I'm talking about it is because I believe we had a word from the Lord last night. The Lord wants to promote. He wants to promote. And uh, in order for that to happen, you you have to do it His way. And and like we see here, it said, uh, uh, humble yourself. Hear that next phrase? Under the mighty hand of God. See, that's acknowledging who He is. And what he is. And who I am. And where I am relative to him. Right? Yeah, I have a part. But his is the big part. Right? His is the big part. Yeah, I'm supposed to believe. But where did I even get the faith? Right? Right? I got the faith from him. I got the grace from him. I got the revelation from him. I got the strength from him. Every piece of it. So then when something comes to pass, you don't call your name first. How did this happen? What do you say? Tell me the first two words. The Lord. Our God. Right? How did this this happen? How did you get that? God bless you. The Lord said this to me, showed this to me. The Lord arranged this, choreographed this. Come on, kids. The Lord, and then he did this. And I was a little sketchy and rocky for a while, but then he boosted me up and I got back in gear again. Why, why do I need to tell that? Because the enemy is such a liar. He tries to portray because people let pride get in. And they skew the story. 
the truth is, it was the mercy of God that they made it through. There was 35 times they almost quit. But when they get up and tell it, it was like, I just put my foot down and I told the devil he had to get out of here. And I grabbed my blessing and that was it. <laughs> you're, you're misrepresenting what happened. Then you might say, well, why is that a deal? Because the enemy will jump on the shoulders of everybody else that's going through things and say, I told you, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep messing around with this? See, they just slapped the devil and got their blessing. And here you are still working on it. <laughs> But what they're portraying is not true. That's not how it happened. It was the mercy of God. It was the grace of God. It was the help of the good Lord. And in spite of our weaknesses and inconsistencies and ignorances and big blooper mistakes... In spite of it, he held our hand. And from time to time, just picked us up completely and carried us over. Walked us through it. Talked us through it. Broke it down like a three-year-old so we could understand it. That's the truth. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. But if you want to have other things happen, and even greater things happen, you got to tell it right. You got to give Him the glory. Not just in a religious way. You got to genuinely tell the truth and be honest and give honor to whom honor is is due. And that's not you. What did it say? Humble yourself under the mighty hand. Of God. And what? In due time. He. Will exalt you. That, that's promotion. That's advancement. That's qualifying for more. There was a time when Phyllis and I in our ministry were handling fives and tens. Twenties. Fifties. That's where we work. Now we're handling more. Hallelujah. We're ministering to three and four. Five and six. Now we're ministering to more. Can you see what I'm talking about? But if you ever get to the point where you, you think, well, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm talented. I can, I can do some things. <laughs> Brother Hagen said uh, in their group, uh, this is way back in the uh, 40s. Um, a lot of healing evangelists uh, were, were fellowshipping together. And he said, there was this one guy in that, that night in this big convention. They had already had an altar call. And said, uh, some of the, the per- head person, though, felt impressed at the end of the service to have this other evangelist come up and give another altar call. And said, man, he did. And the anointing came. And the altar just filled up with people coming to get saved. And everybody was just shocked. I mean, they had already had an altar call. And and, uh, 
And, and he talked about this, there was such an anointing on this man for the, different people have different graces and anointings. We don't all have the same. And so he said afterwards they were, the service they were gathered around talking and, and, and some other folks came around and they were uh, telling him what a great job and praise God about these people coming in. And, and he said, uh, he walked up beside and was thinking the same thing and, and said the, the evangelist that did it, he reached over and took the guy by the tie and said, yeah, I tell you what, when I can't get them, nobody can. And he said, the Spirit of God said, spoke to him, Brother Hagin said, watch, from this point on, his ministry will go down. And he said, sure enough, in a couple of years, didn't hear any more about him. No more meetings, no more anything. What did he do? What brought those people to repentance? What, what, what caused those people to get out of their seat and come down to the aisle? It wasn't the man. It wasn't the flesh. Yeah, there was, there was an anointing involved, but he didn't anoint himself. Come on, y'all with me or not? He didn't anoint himself. He didn't grace himself. It was the Spirit of God that, that dealt with them and, and drew them. And, and of course, who hung on the cross and died for them so they could have something to come, come get? Wasn't the man. See, you know, Paul talked about that because even, even in the early days of the church, 1 Corinthians, the first few chapters, there were sects, S-E-C-T-S, there, there were groups splintering off. One was saying, I'm of Paul. Yeah, but I'm of the Apollos group. Yeah, but I, I'm a, a Peter's group. Well, well, I'm this group. And, 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 and the Spirit of God through Paul said, who are we? Come on. Except ministers you believed by. He said, uh, uh, were you crucified? Were we crucified for you? Were you baptized in our name? He said, we're just ministers. Right. Just, just vessels. And that's not trying to be humble. That's being honest. Which is true humility. And I'm still talking about qualifying for more. Look with me in First uh, Timothy, the third chapter. First Timothy chapter 3. Are you okay? I know this is a little bit different than uh, last night. But you know, some things you shout about at the time. Other things, if you do it, you shout a lot later. Later, you shout a lot. Uh, First Timothy. Third chapter. He's talking about the qualifications of the ministry. And uh, he actually starts, and, and he's talking about qualifications of an overseer. And then also of, of deacons. And um, it's interesting to note that he starts not with how much you pray or how many scriptures that you can quote. <laughs> He talks about your family life, <laughs> your marriage, and your kids, right? And what kind of individual you are personally. Uh, you can't be a drunk. You can't be proud. You can't be somebody that hits people. Right. Come on. 
<laughs> There's a lot to be said about that. Suffice it to say, just don't. Quit. And don't believe lies and say you can't help it. Well, I just get so mad and I just, I can't help it. You know, folks like that, you'd like to get a big 300 pound uh, linebacker and say, uh, get them real mad and see if they can keep from slapping him. <laughs> Some way or another, they could control their sin. <laughs> but it's the, the little wife they can't control their sin. Lies. I said lies. People do what they can get away with. And if, if you've messed up, made a lot of mistakes, don't live in condemnation, but don't keep doing it. Repent. Repent. And uh, if you've yielded to things, it's easy to slide back into it. But uh, whatever you need to do, catch yourself early. When you see yourself going that way, stop. You need to get out of the room, get out of the house. Come on, are y'all with me? Do something. You know, you can catch yourself in mid-sentence. Yes, sir. You can. You can go. Let me tell you something. God loves you. And I love you. And I'm gonna go pray right now. And I'm. <laughs> you can. You, you can catch yourself. If you will. <laughs> First Timothy 3. He said, uh, it's a true saying, if, if somebody desires the office of a bishop, that's the word for overseer. It gives qualifications about them. And verse 6, it says, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Somebody say, not a novice. That means, you know, not a, not a newbie. <laughs> Let me read this to you from some other translations. The Amplified says, He must not be a new convert, or he may develop a beclouded and stupid state of mind as the result of pride, being blinded by conceit and fall into the condemnation that the devil once did. Another one said, he come into the same sin as the evil one. Revealing that's what happened to the devil. That's how he fell. The Lord didn't create a devil. The Lord didn't create evil. Now this will help your theology if you get this straight. You, you even hear people say, you know, they, they have all kind of bad characteristics and, and say, God made me this way. No. No, he didn't. People say, well, that's, that's how I am, so who else, who else made it? The Ecclesiastes, uh, I'll just give it to you, not to turn there, but Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, God has made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Men invented evil stuff on their own. 
God didn't do it. Listen to a couple of translations read like this. This is Ecclesiastes 7.29. He said, one thing I have learned, God made people good. But they have found all kind of ways to be bad. And the Bible said, if you read, maybe we're going to look at it in a minute, but if you read Isaiah 14, you read Ezekiel 28, it talks about how Lucifer was created an anointed cherub. He was created good. And the Spirit of God describes the beauty, the grace, the abilities, and it said, until Iniquity was found in him. He used the the creative ability and powers that God made him with to make something bad. And he actually fathered deception. Prior to that, lying didn't exist. This is before mankind existed. But the devil, you remember John 8, where Jesus said, told religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust or desires of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he's a liar, and the father of lying, and when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. God did not create lying, or deceiving, or distortion. Or perversion. All of these alterations to his creation are not an improvement on what he made. And in the book of Genesis, when it talks about what he made, he created this, and then it said, He looked at it and said, Behold, it is good. Then he made this, what did he say? Behold, it is good. Then he made this, behold, means look. Look, it's good. When we finished everything, he said, look, it is very good. That word very uh, means, it could also be translated very, very, or exceeding good. Exceeding good. I say sometimes, on which day did God create cancer? On which day did God create AIDS? Or COVID-19. He didn't. I said he didn't. Not a part of his original creation. Mm -mm. That came after. Man messed up. Man's sin. And the devil's work. You look in the garden of Eden before sin. Perfect. Everything's good. There is no bad. You fast forward to the end of the book, Revelation. New Jerusalem, new heaven, new earth. No curse. No pain. No sorrow. No crying. No dying. Woo! What are you seeing? The will of God. And the will of God. All these problems in the middle that man made? Not the perfect will of God. But he says here, this, whether he goes on to say, talking about a deacon, 
He also said, let them first be proved. What's about verse 10 or so? Let them first be proven. Then let them do it. Then let them use the office of a deacon. What does that mean? You don't take baby Christians and just give them places of, of, of large responsibility. Mistake. Why? Well, he told you exactly why. Lest they get puffed up. Lest they get, lest they get puffed up in pride. Now, when people hear that, they think, well, yeah, yeah, that's right, you know, but, but, but I wouldn't have any trouble with that. Well, then who is it that has trouble with this? <laughs> huh? Most people, if you say, you know, well, don't, you know, don't, don't be complaining about it. What would they say? Oh, I wasn't complaining. I was just, you know, just saying. <laughs> this, is, huh? And if you say, well, you know, you don't want to be proud about that. Oh, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not lifted up in no kind of pride. No, no. Well, then this doesn't apply to you. When's the last time you judged yourself and you said, "Call my name's Keith," so, and I said, "Keith, that's pride. It's ugly, stinking pride. Stop that. Change that. Don't talk like that anymore. Make a change. If you're not doing that all along, then you're not growing." You're not developing. I taught a class at Rama called Submission and Authority. Rama Bible Training Center, Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry. And uh, part of it, we talked about pride and humility. And uh, over and over again, I don't mean once, I don't mean twice, I don't mean 20 times. I don't know how many times I heard some variation of this. Several weeks into the course, man, woman, young person says, you know, Brother Keith, I never used to have any trouble with pride till I started taking your class. <laughs> well, you don't have trouble with something you're just yielding to. <laughs> it's when you identify it and you start dealing with it. Because, see, they, they're not even calling it pride. They're not even realizing what it is. Now, you know, this is our, our last night on this meeting, but I've, I've got series that talk about this online. Won't cost you anything, no charge. One of them is Greater Grace, and there's another one about humility. I'd have to think of the, the title. But anyway, uh, it goes into more detail defining these things. But that's not our purpose here uh, this, this weekend. The purpose is preparation for promotion. And this is a big part of it. And you want to be open, not just to, you know, we can't cover everything tonight, you know that, but to get the spirit of it. And then the Lord's showing you tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, He's showing you, helping you to see. Go to Isaiah 14, and let's let's touch on this for a moment. Because the Bible tells us this is what happened to the devil himself. This is what happened to him. The devil wasn't always a devil. He used to be at one time. 
the anointed cherub. Isn't that something? He used to be a beautiful, amazing, anointed creature. In, in Isaiah 14, verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Didn't the proverb say pride goes before a, a fall? He said, uh, how are you cut down to the ground which did weaken nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend. Now this is the same words and idea of exalt. Lift up. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon uh, the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. Come on. You know what he's doing? Confession. He saw how God does things. You believe it, you say it, and expect it to come to pass. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to use what God gave him to rebel against God. You don't really, he didn't really think that through. (laughs) But here's another thing. Obadiah says, just one chapter there, says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. How could a being so ancient and so brilliant do something so stupid? Because of pride. Pride actually dulls you to things that should be obvious to you. I don't care if you're a genius mentally. Pride will cause you just to not not see what should be plain as the nose on your face. What should be just obvious right in front of you. Pride blinds you. Got to remember this. What If you yield to pride, what do you get from God? You don't get grace. You don't get help. You get resisted. So it, it, it's like you're trying to fight through mud. But you're going to do it. Can you hear that? I will. He knew it was not the will of God. He knew it was against God's plan. He knew it was outside of his scope and place. But he's going to do it. You know what's astounding? Is that he convinced others he could pull it off. (laughs) That. So there must be some things there we're not fully aware of. But they, they, they must have thought they could do it. Yeah. But can you see what he's doing? He's exalting himself. And here's something we got to watch. Yeah, we've learned a few things about faith and about confession. But being adamant with your confession, 
when you haven't heard from God, can be defiant and proud. And I don't think our group has talked much about this. You can use your, you can try and use your faith contrary to the will of God. Well, it won't work. You'll fall. You'll be frustrated. When it comes to things in your life that are issues and challenges, you don't start with standing. Y'all awake? What do you mean by the you know, The scripture said, having done all to stand. Stand. You've been attacked with sickness. You've been attacked with bills. You've been attacked with marriage problems. Whatever the case might be. You don't just start standing. What do you start with? Inquire of the Lord. You go to Him. And you ask Him. What do I say about this? What do I do about this? I was preaching this one time in another place. Somebody wrote me and said, Well, I thought all, those, all the verses in the scripture belonged to me. <laughs> the, the, the disciple is not above his master. And you know what Jesus said? I only say what I hear him say. Is that right? I don't speak of myself. I don't do anything of myself. I only say, did did he say he is completely dependent on the Father? And sometimes he pray all night long. You know, on one occasion, he did that all night long. He prayed and waited before God. And the next day, he called out and named the twelve apostles. Is that connected? You know it is. Right? He didn't just pick out who he thought would be great. He said, I don't do anything of myself. But see, that requires humility. That requires admitting on a regular basis, I don't have enough up here to do it. I got to ask him. I got to trust in Him with all my heart and not lean to my own understanding. I don't know enough. I got to ask Him in all your ways. Oh, somebody say all your ways, all your in 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 all your ways. I mean, that's in the small things of life, brother, sister. That's it in your small purchases, everything, everything in in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. Amen. And he shall direct your paths. Two of the big things that will help you yield to humility and stay in humility. Thanksgiving and worship. Oh, somebody help me out here. Say it out loud. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and worship. And worship. You can't truly worship proudly. No. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. One reason some people have trouble with lifting their hands. 
are lifting their voice, are saying it out loud, I worship you. They're choking on their pride. Because that's acknowledging you made me. I need you. I got to have you. For everything. Come on, are y'all with me? And every good thing that I have in my, every good gift, every perfect gift, every good thing I have. I didn't produce it. I didn't make it happen. You did it. You gave it to me. So why would it, if you really know that, why would it be hard to go ahead and say it right out loud? Thank you. Why, why would that be hard? It's not hard when you live in honesty and reality. In the truth, you're not pretending. You know, thinking things more, more, more highly of yourself than you, than you ought. I won't take the time to look through it, but Ezekiel 28 is a, a component of this and, and that whole chapter and this whole chapter. And you kind of, uh, to understand it fully, he's talking about a man that was influenced by the enemy and then he breaks off and just starts talking about the devil himself. And so the, both of those are going on in those chapters. But it's the same things because the man took on the characteristics of the devil when he's sitting, sitting in his throne saying, I'm God. The devil has a God complex. He wants to be God. He wants to be worshipped. He wants to be obeyed. But he can't have reverence and respect. All he can have is fear. And that's what you see people do in the gang world. They told my, you know, throw a pistol in your face and say, you will respect me. Ain't no respect in that. If they do it, they did it out of fear. There's no respect there. The real thing, honor, is a beautiful thing. And it only comes from God. Hallelujah. And He wants you to enjoy some honor. He wants you to enjoy it, but it'll only come after you honor Him. Those, he said, those that honor me, I will honor. But those that despise me, they'll be lightly esteemed. Your things will be treated ever how you treat his things. And the people that, that are used the most and enjoy the most are the people that value his things, that treasure his things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it out loud if, you, if it's in your heart. Say, Father God, Father God open, my open my eyes and my heart. And my heart. Teach, me about Teach me about real honor, real, honor. real, humility. real humility, just like my master, just like, just like, Jesus. Just like Jesus. I desire to know it. I'm hungry for it. Hungry for in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said those that hunger and thirst, they will be filled. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. 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 
Can you take a little more? First uh, Corinthians, fourth chapter. First Corinthians, the fourth chapter. This is a big, big subject. You know, before we do that, let's go to Matthew. On your way there, stop by Matthew 23. We we said this last night, just based on what he said. The Lord's not opposed to us being exalted. He's opposed to us doing it. That's what he's opposed to. You know, when it comes to uh, abundance, uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, my, my father in the faith, and one of those visitations that he had by the head of the church, where he taught him the revelation that's in that book about how to be led by the Spirit. Man, if you hadn't read that, get that. And uh, some things I'd never heard anywhere else. And it wouldn't be surprising if it came straight from the head of the church. But it's all in the word, verse by verse. And he said he saw the Lord in an open vision. And he said, among other things, when he was talking to him about how to be led by the Spirit, how to follow the inner witness based on Romans 8 and those kind of things. uh, He said, uh, "If told Brother Hagin, he said, if you learn how to be led by my Spirit... I'll make you rich. And he had never heard that before in the denomination and group he was in at the time. And he said immediately the Lord knew his thoughts because he's thinking, really? And he said the Lord immediately said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. Most of the church doesn't know that. Or if they heard it, they don't believe it. Because you hear people say, well, you know, you know, money's the root of all evil. No, it's not. You can do good with money. You can buy missionaries airplanes. You can buy church buildings. Put it on the internet. You can do good things with money. Money in and of itself is not good or bad. And that's not what the verse said. What did the verse say? The love of money. People say, well, same thing. No, not the same thing. No. No. Why? There's a lot of people who don't have a dime. And they love them some money. Is that right? They, they dream about it. Is that right? Just dream about getting some money, winning some money, somehow getting some money. Well, if you could love money and not have any, why couldn't you have a lot of money but not love it? Oh, I lost somebody somewhere. <laughs> God's not opposed to you being exalted, Amen. promoted, Amen. raised. In fact, he's got plans for you. Amen. If you'll listen to him, if, if we'll listen to him. He's opposed to you doing it. You exalting yourself. You putting yourself forward. Claiming what you deserve. 
You demanding what people are supposed to do for you. That's what he's opposed to. He's not opposed to you even being rich. The Bible said he'll give, he'll give you richly all things to enjoy. Amen. Is that right? Amen. If he was ever going to withhold anything from us, it would have been Jesus. And Romans 8 said, if God spared not his son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? If he give you Jesus, he will pay your electric bill. He will help you get a car. Is that right? Some clothes. I mean, what is that beside Jesus? Matthew 23. And five, he said, all their works they do, talking about the Pharisees and those guys, for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. That, uh, that was supposed to show how much of the word they knew. <laughs> and enlarge the borders of their garments. It's kind of like multiple doctorate stripes. Same thing. Just relax. And uh, and they love, love, the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues. The, the best seats. And... Uh, they, they love the greetings in the market and to be called by all men, Rabbi, Rabbi. They love it. And then he, and then listen to what he said. He said, don't be called Rabbi. How many people are violating that? For one is your master. Even Christ. And all you are brothers. And call no man your father upon the earth. How many people violating that? For one is your father, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Watch out for titles. And requiring that people refer to you by your title. Did you know that, that Paul never referred to himself as the Apostle Paul? Not once. He never used that as a title. He said, I am an Apostle. I know it's quiet. But do we take this seriously or not? How, how do you apply that? You know, you may be a pastor. I'm a pastor. But I'm not the pastor. There's only one of them. Yeshua. Head of the church. I may be a teacher. A, little a. Little a, little t. <laughs> but I'm not the 
I'm not the teacher. Hmm? And, and I don't want people referring to me with a title. That's why brother is what Jesus said is appropriate. That's a good term. Brother so and so. Brother, people laugh at us. They think we're silly for doing that, but they're just showing their ignorance of the word. The Lord said do it. He said, you're all brothers. Don't claim to be master this, father this, rabbi this. Now, why am I reading that? Verse 11, he that's greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever shall exalt himself shall what? Be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. Now exalted is promotion. It's advancement. It's increase. It's greater. It's being added to. And there are a number of things that will try your pride. And the only way to get rid of it is to discover it. And it's not fun. It ain't fun. It is not fun. When you say and do something and the Spirit of God checks you and you go, Oh, that was dumb. Why did I say that? But now you know. I've had people come up to me before and say, You know, God uses me in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Okay. (laughs) And that helps me how? I mean... Why did they tell me that? Huh? Why did they tell me that? For my benefit? No, seeking to impress. And I'm not judging because have you ever done anything like that? Oh, you have. Oh, you have. Oh, yes, you have. And not just three times. Go to, go to John 7 real quickly, please. John 7. We talked about this, but when we said the Lord didn't take credit for his own messages and for the things that happened in his ministry, he gave all the glory to the Father. Because that's, he's, he's doing it as a man, which means, uh, what, didn't he say this? I can of my own self do nothing. Did Jesus say that? Was that true or not? Of course it was true. Then he's not trying to be humble. There's no false humility here. He's just telling it like it is. Telling the truth. But he he didn't believe any, uh, you know, greater things about himself than what was true. He didn't believe that something he did, taking credit for what the Father did. In John 7, this is a... This is how you can identify some things. Verse 18. John seven eighteen. He that speaks of himself. Seeks his own glory. But he that seeks his glory that sent him. The same is true. And no unrighteousness is in him. Now when you're talking about speaking of yourself. That's both. Uh, from yourself and of yourself. From yourself as a source and of yourself as a subject. 
And so to grow, I didn't say it was fun, but do you want to be promoted? Do you want to have things added to you? Want to be trusted with more increase? To grow, when you're talking, you need to kind of sneak up behind yourself and say, why are you telling them that? When you're talking about what you saw and what you did and your revelation and how you did this and your old story from back in the day and how you made some money and you know a lot of what people call testimony is just bragging. I know I, when I was a, uh, a teacher there at Raymond. I overheard in the Nanowski Recreation Areas, there were some young students that had only been there a couple of months, and they're talking loud. I wasn't trying to hear them. You could, everybody heard them. And, and one of them was telling about, you know, supposed to be telling testimony, but he's bragging about all the stuff he had. And the thing is, he came from wealthy folks. And he's bragging about it, and it was kind of showing up. A lot of the other people in the group, they didn't have this stuff, and, and it was a little irritating. And, and, and finally, one of the guys spoke up and said, well, okay, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. <laughs> because it's all going to burn, baby. Is that right? It's all going to melt with fervent heat. We've already talked about it it matters how you testify, how you talk about it, and what's emphasized, and who's magnified, right? It matters. It matters. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. He that speaks of himself, you need to ask yourself on a regular basis, including with your spouse. Right. Especially with them. You know, they hear you a lot. (laughs) And there are times, no matter what you know, you just need to be quiet. That's some of the best advice you will hear all night. (laughs) There are times you need to hear them. And just listen. And especially if you think you're going to be around them tomorrow and the next day. There can be opportunities, is that right, for other things to discuss and talk. But when you're led by the Spirit, you'll sense, it's not time for me to bring this up. It's time to celebrate with them. Hmm? Because you'll see people get into these comparative testimonies. God brought me in $200. God brought me in a thousand. I'm telling you, God brought me ten. Th- whoa, whoa. A friend of mine up in St. Louis, he's in heaven now, pastor of a church. But uh, I always liked fast cars. My uh, cousins were drag racers. My dad had fast Mustangs and other cars and I grew up with it. I re-wrenched on cars and 
And, and I, I got a job when I was 13, and most of what I made went to my car. And I liked something that would rattle the windows, you know. And uh, so from the time I was a boy until the time I was in my late, well, you know, 20 years old, I guess, uh, of that big part of my life. And then when I answered the call, I was impressed with the Lord to absolutely leave everything of that. And I did. I had a hot rod and I had a fast motorcycle and I had some other things. And I just walked away from them and just left them. Eventually, a year or two later, sold them for parts. And and, and over a period of years, that was not a part of my life. I didn't, just, I didn't even think about it anymore. Some things you need to get weaned off of. They are they're too big of a part of They mean too much to you. And they consume too much of your time and your thought life. And so I guess it was after, I don't know, a good 10 years maybe, the Lord let me know I could, uh, I could have one. Because I got, I got it in its place. And uh, so I did. I got a used Corvette, bright yellow. <laughs> I drove it to a meeting. There was a conference going on. And uh a pastor walked out with me and across the parking lot and we kept getting close to that yellow, bright yellow. I mean, it, you see it down the road yellow. I mean, it was, whoo. And, and we got up and I put the key in the door and opened it. This was years ago. And he said, Brother Keith, is that your car? I said, yeah. He said, that's not you. I said, yeah. <laughs> he had something in his mind that, that, did, that just didn't jive. But anyway, I got this used car. And it was where I was. And I got it in the town where this brother was, the pastor. He heard about it. He said, oh, he said, when you coming? I told him. And so him and his boys and his wife showed up at the dealership. He had bought me a Corvette jacket and, and two or three caps and some stuff and key fobs and everything. And, and he said, uh, when, we, when we got it and, and filled out the paperwork, he said, come on back to the house. And I said, okay. And, and so they, they had a big barn and he said, put it in here in the barn. And, and then he, he said, uh, it's okay if we wash it and wax it for you? I said, yeah, yeah, okay. And, 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 and I started to get a bucket. He said, oh no, no, that's what I made those boys for. He said, you come over here and sit down with me. And so his wife made some nice sandwiches and we sat back in the chair and watched his boys wash every inch of it, wax it. And he said, oh, that's a pretty car, man. And he, he made a big deal out of my used car. Didn't say, now he had a lot of nice stuff, but he didn't say anything about his stuff. No comparison. Come on. You see what I'm talking about? No, none of that. He made it my day. And here we are decades later. I remember it. It stuck with me. It ministered to me. And the more secure you get, and the more you grow being like the master who is meek, you don't need everybody to notice you. You don't need everybody to pay attention to you. It don't have to be your day. and. They don't have to notice you when you walk in the room. You can help somebody for it to be their day. And friend, when you're doing that, you're sowing seed. I said you're sowing seed that's going to come back to you. So 
sowing honor, sowing seed, sowing giving, it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Have you still got uh, 1 Corinthians 4? In closing, I think. Don't want to short you. Brother Kenneth Copeland's got a a little clock. Y'all may have seen him. That he presses a starter, you know, that counts down on a time. Every time he starts speaking, he probably said, well, he, he, somebody said, well, he doesn't stop when it goes off. I said, no, you, you don't misunderstand. He's making sure he goes long enough. <laughs> don't want to short you. Don't, don't want to short you. In, uh, 1 Corinthians 4. He's talking about stewardship. In uh, Luke 16, don't turn there, but we, t- we touched on this last night. That chapter is about stewardship. I don't, I don't mean some, it's just over and over and over again that word is, is, is you're reminded of it. Let me just read the first few verses. It said there was a rich man that had a steward, was accused, he wasted his goods. He called, says, how's this I hear? Give account of your stewardship, for you may no longer be steward. And then the steward said, what can I do? The stewardship he's taken away from me. I'm resolved when I'm put out of my stewardship what to do. What's going on? Stewardship. Well, that's what 1 Corinthians 4 is talking about. When he's talking about let a man account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Say that phrase out loud. Stewards, stewards. of the mysteries, mysteries. Of, God. of God. The Spirit of God says a lot about this through Paul in Ephesians. And he says, when you read these things, you'll understand the revelation of the mystery that's given to me. It is so precious because in times and ages past, not even the angels knew and understood things you and I are shouting about. That's something. I said, that's something. Not even the angels. They desired to look into these things that were prophesied by the prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, all those guys. And nobody understood it. Nobody. Not the angels. Not the elders. Not the patriarchs. But now, in the fullness of times, hallelujah, the Lord has come. Thank you, Lord. And then he has given us his spirit. Oh, that's that's where it changed. I said, that's where it changed. In the old covenant, only a handful of people had any personal experience with the anointing. The prophet and the priest 
and maybe a deliverer like Samson or somebody, the anointing would come on them for a job. But your average person didn't have the anointing on them or in them or around them. They had to go find the man of God to inquire of the Lord. But it was prophesied in that day. They'll not tell every man their brother, know the Lord. Because they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. Hallelujah. 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 And he, that is the way it is today. Every child of God has the Spirit in them. And those that have gone further and yielded to Him also have the Spirit upon them. And He will lead and guide you into all the truth. He will bring to your remembrance everything the Lord has said to you and shown you. He will show you things to come. He will take of everything that Jesus has and show. Do you hear that word? Show. Show. Show it to you. Show. Somebody said He shows it to me. He He shows it to me. He shows it to me. He shows it to me. And what He shows you is some kind of precious. It is beyond price. It is beyond money, silver, gold, price and value. Think about the revelation of justification by faith. Not by works. Think about the revelation of by stripes you're healed. Think about all these revelations. Well, once you have them, you are a steward of that precious revelation. The Lord has given you something in your life. And I'm not talking about being a preacher. Every one of us are called and anointed to be witnesses. 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 Witnesses of what? Of what? He's given you of what you've experienced in Him. And it's it's our stewardship with this that determines how much more we receive. If we are faithful with what He gave us, we will receive more. Actually, uh, in the early days of our ministry in healing school... I knew the anointing was key to getting results. And I spent a lot of time begging for the anointing, which was a mistake, but I didn't know any better. And finally, the Lord helped me to see that that's not how it works. You don't get more by begging. He he pointed out to, well, let me back up. The first thing he said to me, he said, all of my people... Receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. He said many of them have done nothing with that. Why would they need more? And then he pointed out to me that the key to me, I wanted more anointing. And the key to that was me using faithfully what I had. And I was, I was not fully appreciating what he had given me because I was comparing myself to people like Brother Hagin that was over me and he had special experiences with the Lord and he had a tangible anointing and, and the Lord reminded me, he said, he didn't start out that way. Yeah. 
Besides us, that's not what I gave you. That's what I gave him. And I remember the first time I ministered to the sick, I felt so inadequate. And I literally, we had a little, it wasn't a walk-in closet, but I got in it anyway. Because <laughs> I was feeling the pressure of having to speak in, in that healing school. And uh, I thought, Lord, what am I going to do, you know? And, and this is how he helped me. He said, uh, you feel like you don't have much and you're comparing yourself with other people. He said, but you forgot. Do you remember the little boy's lunch? He said to me, a couple, you know, a couple of loaves, which is little pieces of bread, and a couple of fish, little fish. I said, yeah. He said, I can do a lot with a little. I can do a lot with a little. He said, but you've got to appreciate what you got. I saw it. I quit begging. And that day when I went to minister, I prayed like this. Lord, I thank you for this bountiful provision. And I felt like I had two crackers and a sardine. I felt like I'm going to talk for 10 minutes and then I'm going to say it again. And then I'm not, I'm not going to know what to do after that. But I cast down that thought and I, and I said, thank you. Did you, did you hear that phrase? So we talked about two big keys with humility. Do you remember them? what thankfulness? And worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've given me. And so I started endeavoring to share. And here come a verse. Here come an illustration. Here come another verse. And the people started smiling. And I spoke for an hour. And they're all sitting there spiritually acting like they got something. And I thought, they don't know what a miracle this was. They don't, they don't understand what just happened here. And I've been doing that ever since. But you don't just beg for more. That's not how it works. It has to do with faithfulness. Read that scripture there in in 1 Corinthians 4 again. As stewards of the mysteries of God. Now moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And the Living Bible says it like this. The the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to. That's a definition of faithfulness. When you say, you're talking about art. And you say, this is a faithful reproduction of this. What does that mean? It looks just like it. And when you're faithful, you don't add to, you don't take from, you don't change. You do it exactly the way you were given and instructed. Now in 1 Corinthians 9, go there please. This is part of this same thought. 1 Corinthians 9. And this is something that has has stuck with me for some years now when the Lord first showed it to me. He said, uh, verse 16, 1 Corinthians 9, 16, and I'm reading the, well, we'll read the King James first. It said, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Uh, if I, read the next verse. If I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. Listen to the Amplified on that. On that last verse. 
The Amplified says, if I do this work of my own free will, I have my pay, my reward. But if it's done and reluctantly and under compulsion, I am still entrusted with a sacred trusteeship and commission. I, uh, Phyllis and I have been so favored and blessed in our relationships with God's, some people call them God's generals and, and God's people. And I've had people ask me, you know, how did you get to do that? And how did you get in that circle? And how did you get to become a part of that? One person said, how did you believe for that? And I shocked them when I said, I didn't. I didn't believe for that position. I didn't believe for that. And they said, well, how, how do you do it? Well, number one, you don't promote yourself. So you're already thinking wrong. If you're trying to figure out how to get in a certain position or place or around somebody, or you're already thinking wrong, and, and you want to just sit that aside and ask him what he wants for you could be something completely different than what you're thinking. And uh, we have been in so many good meetings. We have been around so much revelation. We have been, we've seen miracles and been around such amazing things. And, and one time some years ago I was thinking about this and thanking God and thanking God. And then I, I said, Lord, why us? Phyllis and I, just little country people from out way in the boonies in Mississippi and Louisiana and when, you know in one sense nobody and, and nobody knew us and how could they and didn't know anybody that knew anything about any of these how, why us because there are a lot of people in the world never heard one good faith message not, not one why are we so privy to it and, and the Lord reminded me that when I went to Ramah and uh, they were starting the prayer and healing center. And Brother Hagan announced that they were going to train uh, people to, he called them divine healing technicians. And uh, it was, you know, it was a thing around there. And I had just gotten there and I was, you know, <laughs> uh, sitting there with my little cheap jacket on. And, <laughs> and, and, and I looked around and I thought, oh, wouldn't that be something? To be one of those. Then I looked around and there were hundreds of people behind me. And I thought, uh-huh. But in nine months, I was one of two that was selected to start in it. And then after years, I had a bigger part in it. And then a bigger part. And then a bigger part. And... The reason the Lord brought that to my remembrance, He said, when you turned around and you said, well, I thought it, and I said, well, I thought, well, I guess everybody probably wants that. He said, you were wrong. Not everybody valued it like you did. Did you hear that or not? Yes. See, I, there's no way I could have known that. But He said, when I turned around and said, oh, I guess everybody would want to be one of that and want to be part of that. He said, you were wrong. There were people who were curious about it, but not this 
how valuable that is. How, and that's what honor is. Honor means valuing. And that's who God gives things to. And when He gives you something, and you value it, and you remember it, and you talk about it, and you put it into practice, and you do everything you know to do with it, even though it may not seem like a big deal to somebody else, it's what He gave you. And now, you are a steward of this this revelation of uh, of part of the mysteries of Christ you you have a sacred trust with this and if you value it and you do everything you know to do with it you know what's coming next he will give you more and if you value that and do the same he will give you more and if you value that and do everything he will give you more he will give you more you heard us talk about the, the big offering we just sowed to that ministry tonight. But I can look back 30 plus years ago. I was in a meeting with Brother Hagen. He took, took us on the road with him. And, uh, oh man. You know, we got to ride to the meeting in the car with the man of God. I'm sitting there smiling like the cat that got the canary. I'm thinking, just don't mess this up, man. <laughs> you know, I had, I had a, a fellow graduate one time later on uh, asked me, said, said, how's the old man doing? I thought, what old man? What? You know, Brother Hagen. That will cause you to forfeit things like that. How you talk about things, how you think about things. It either qualifies you or disqualifies you. Not the old man. Hmm? The man of God. Hmm? And we're not just making a big deal out of the flesh. Why? Because God chose him. God's choice. That's a big deal. Right? You make a big deal out of what God did. Not the flesh. And so, in one of these services, he asked me to come up and receive the offering. I'd never done that. I thought, okay. And man, the Lord gave me something. And it was honest and right, but it was anointed. And man, the money came in. People gave. And we were all shouting on the way back. I'm sitting in the back seat of the car. The Lord spoke to me. He sat down right beside me almost. You could feel it. He said, I'm giving you favor with my people. I thought, yes, sir. He said, never let anybody abuse it. Never misuse it. And so I I endeavor to watch. We don't do a project unless the Lord directs us to do it. Can we understand what I'm saying? We're not moved by needs or requests or and when you say something, it got to happen just like that. If you say 100% goes to this, you can't use a quarter for anything else. Or you didn't say it right. I'm just, I'm just saying some things that I, I can't talk so much about you. I don't know about you. I know about me. But these things here and there, they were, 
they were uh, anchors and, and, and memorials in my life where I knew, I mean, I, I didn't even hear anybody else talking in the car when that happened. It was so real to me. I said, yes, Lord. I just, I said, and I started to tears start. I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Cause he's telling me. Yes, Did you hear that first phrase? I'm giving you favor yes, yeah. with my people. So there's reason right. why people just look at you and they like you. Right. It's not because you're so wonderful. No. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble, but it ain't because you're so amazing after the flesh. It's favor. Amen. Favor. You didn't earn that. You didn't, you didn't do that. And it's not just for you. It's for the kingdom. It's to do something in the kingdom. So they'll hear the word of God. So they'll receive it. Receive something else. Become part of something bigger. Stand on your feet, everybody. Pastors, did you bring your son and daughter here? Can you find them? Everybody lift your hands.